Welcome back to the <laughs> intro, ladies and gents. I'm sitting down with my good buddies, Mr. Max Isaac and Mr. James Hobart. And we are here to talk fitness, health, nutrition, life, conspiracy theories, anything else that might come up. And we've got James Hobart snooping the interwebs, looking at morning chalk up for some topics. But what we were just mentioning was the Batman, the self-proclaimed Batman of CrossFit movement standards, Mr. Andrew Hiller, whose kind of star rose maybe a few months ago to a peak and I think has kind of come down a little bit. I don't see as much on Instagram with Andrew Hiller anymore, but he has been proclaimed or has been um, announced as the head judge of the Zelos games, right? So they're bringing in Andrew Hiller to be the head judge at the Zelos games. Brought in. Brought him in. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm already bored Um, with this topic, to be honest with you. (laughs) Even talking through it just two seconds, I'm bored with it. So there's there's not a ton to talk about here, although I will say when I was at the games this year and I did see Hiller, that's Mm. exactly what I told him to do. I said, if you really care about you know, changing movement standards at the games, you should start volunteering as a judge. And when I said that to him, he's like, he's like, well, no, that's, that, that's not how you make change. I'm like, okay. You like, he, he, and he tried to use like a Batman example, you know, he's like, (laughs) you know, like, like I think he said, you know, Batman doesn't do that. I'm like, all right, whatever. But (laughs) well, Batman's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, 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 he's not. No. The, uh, The the thing that I love, though, is, I mean, I, I'm not hating on any of these competitions, but I looked up the Zelos, the, the Zelos games or whatever. It's kind of like Beast of the East was back in the day. Right, James? Like this is I think the I think the prize purse was a case of Kill Cliff, uh, five $20 scratch tickets, and I think maybe like a weight belt from Tupood. Some scratchers. Tupood. What a good... <laughs> reference um i will find that information out i i don't know i think it's cool i think uh if you're gonna i don't know if you're gonna shine the bat signal everywhere it's cool to put your money where your mouth is can we talk about this prize package again really quickly because i'm I'm kidding i'm kidding it was it it was no i i think that the prize package was i think the winners received a thousand dollars um and so i'm i'm and I think it might have been from Coinstar. So I think it was something where they traded in a bunch of coins and then it came up to about almost a thousand bucks. James, can you look up the exact prize? Well, first? Hopefully, hopefully it wasn't FTX because they just they just crashed and I think are being investigated for fraud anyway. Oh, man, I can't wait <laughs> to see. Can't wait to see Scott Peltos out there on the uh, competition floor at the Zellos game. <laughs> they do no. have a lot of they, that was it. That was it. That was rough. that's a. That's a deep cut Northeast regional reference deep to cut. one of the most epic competitors ever. ever. Um, Scott so what, what's the, what's, what's the prize? I, can, I can't, I can't find it. I can, I'm looking really hard right now. Their website's actually pretty nice looking. Um, we, we should talk a little bit about these prize purses at these competitions and um, Rogue Invitational. It, well, what did they give up? 250k? 200k? Yes. Yes. 250k. Well, I'm not worried about Rogue being able to pay their bills. Um, how about this European competition? What was it called? Um, I forget what the name of the competition was, but the they couldn't pay their athletes the prize purse from last year. And now they're saying that they're going to put on an event again this coming year. 
so what what happened was this competition made the prizes based around ticket sales and they didn't sell enough tickets to get to the dollar amounts that they quoted for athletes and they still haven't paid out the athletes who won their 2022 winnings and now in 2023 they're planning an event seems very odd to me it seems like well yeah fools that 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 doesn't surprise me at all because even at the rogue invitational which i think is outside of the games i mean what one of the top three competitions yes though definitely in terms of prize money yeah right so that that event wasn't sold out you you watched the you know you look at the spectators i mean there were people there it's not a sold out event so i'm not sure how any of these competitions could think that they are going to that they're going to sell any large amount of tickets i i truly i i don't i don't know how they how they think that's going to happen you know i i'd be interested to find out you know even at the games this year you know what the what the ticket sales are like but um, I, I don't think that you know one-off competitions should base their should base their prize purse off of uh, off of ticket sales. Do you guys think the golden age of competing in fitness competitions, CrossFit competitions, has passed? You know, I think when I think about 2010 through 20, you know, 15 or so. I, I mean, I think about a wildly excited community about competition i think about people who were like the the community was still like a bit smaller they definitely had a lot of people who were invested in like teams going to the games you know a lot of affiliate support you had some smaller competitions that were bananas but it seems to me like some of that magic has kind of passed a little bit in terms of like every single event that you're talking about being sold out every single event being a big deal maybe it's just there's been too many of them or maybe you know the long pause from covid and we're still coming back i don't know i'm I'm just asking you guys a question do you think that we'll see a resurgence of in-person competition with massive attendance or do you think that we're going to narrow it down to a few major events and and that will be it I think it's the few few major events. You know, I think I think you'll see that happen to like um the semifinals this year. I think they will start to come back slowly but surely. I think it'll take some time. I don't think it'll all happen this year. Events like Rogue, obviously, mm. um Wadapalooza, Wadapalooza. That kind of stuff. Um but I, I think part of me thinks the reason that some of the events seem smaller now is that um is because there are so many. Um, I don't think there's a, the golden age has gone away for like the top, top, top athletes. Like they mm-hmm. seem to be doing all right. And if I know morning chalk up sometimes does those totals of like yearly money made. And, and some of those athletes look like they're making a lot of money. I think that prize winning is taxed to the hills though, which is devastating. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I think for the top athletes, they're okay. And, um, I don't know. It just doesn't have, I, I hear what you're saying. Maybe that's just not cause I'm not involved with it as much, yeah. but yeah, like, regionals um you know in the east coast ecc california you know east oh, what was that the west coast, coast classic Cla- west coast classic yeah you know um i don't know i don't know what i think like, um i'm old though you know it's like i went to a local i went to a local competition team partner competition out here just local affiliate comp at crossfit mob 
um, down in Thornton, Colorado. And um, obviously it wasn't like packing stadium seats, but uh, it was an awesome vibe. Lots of local affiliates were there. Um, it was all just friends and family kind of stuff. But it was it was inc- it was some of the most fun I've had competing ever. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, um, Good for you. so that that stuff makes me excited, I guess. And that's, you know, since I'm past, you know, I'm, I'm washed up. That's where I'm at now. But it was uh, it was a super <laughs> cool. It was a super cool competition. But yeah, so not one, like that star power of like old regionals. I think what it's going to take is a lot of these competitions being a bit more creative. Um, I know that this is something that Wadapalooza is really focusing in on uh, specifically this year is I believe it's the two days of, of elite and then there's two days of team and a lot of these um, elite athletes are doing both and they're creating fun in different teams. So I think that it just takes like a little bit of creativity on the, um, on, you know, the group that's holding the competition to, to kind of build the hype and make things exciting. I know for me, like it is cool to see, you know, a number of different athletes that normally even, you know, wouldn't compete on the same team would never go team. Now they're going team. I think that stuff is, is exciting. Um, you know, obviously somebody, somebody like rogue who has kind of this unlimited budget, you know, like just even having like that log lift in there, I, I log lift in there. I think there are, are some cool things that you can do. Um, but, but I also, I agree with both of you. I think it's, it's kind of uh, a result of what the last couple of years have been. I think it takes a little while to, to let things build again because I think that there's probably more competitive athletes than there's ever been in the sport. You know, I think that there are uh, tons of young athletes that are, that are coming up. And I still think there's a number of these kind of like OG competitors that are still, that are still hanging on, you know, like you had um, just even at the rogue invitational, you had that girl, Olivia, who is, I believe, 16 years old. She's, uh, you know, trains under Jacob Hepner, and she's throwing down with Annie Thor's daughter. Like, mm-hmm. think about that. Like, just, like, the, the juxtaposition of those two athletes, that's pretty exciting and definitely shows, like, the staying power, somebody like Annie, but also, like, where where these younger athletes are coming from. I know that um, Olivia was interviewed after the Rogue Invitational, and she said the biggest takeaway that she had was that she belongs in that group. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. So I think there's I think there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. The, you know, the one thing I think that has hurt <clears throat> some of these competitions over the years is the amount of changes. And we've touched on this, you know, in past episodes. I think when – we had a very clear qualifying mechanism to the game. I knew it. I knew it. He was working his way back to the open. I knew this was a fucking. I just hey. did. A, I just cursed. Is that push-ups? Is push-ups yeah. on today? How many? Cool. How, how many? How many does he do? Five or ten? <laughs> Got to double it. Got to double Wait, it. Wait, what? What's it supposed to be? Five? It was five. All right, James, you're at five so far. No, I'm um, James. Some cockamimi scheme no, no, no. for you to work your ten. way back to why the open is ineffective. Cockamimi, <laughs> I swear. Gadzooks, man. 15. That's 15. That's definitely 15. All right. So, so Willikers, you boys are bad. Matt, Matt just snaked his way back in here to talk about the qualifying way into the games. All I'm saying is that when it was very clear that there was uh, even a sectional into a regional, when, when that was like the main thing, when they were CrossFit sanctioned events and you knew exactly how it was going to go down and it built a couple of years of consistency. Like when you knew that the regional was going to happen and you knew it was going to be 
probably in your area, I think that there was a greater opportunity for fans to go and congregate and be there and celebrate and kind of build up some rivalries within a region and, you know, bring their whole team or like get a caravan together and go like, these are all things that we all did. We all did this. Yeah. And, you know, I, I couldn't tell you right now if I had a gun to my head, what the qualifying mechanism for the games is. I, I couldn't name a single event where I'd be like, Oh, well, it's the Northeast regional. And then those athletes qualify and they send them to the game. It's changed so much. You know, they, they outsourced uh, the competition to independent um, uh, owners and operators of these events. Then they pulled it back. Then they opened it back up. So, yeah, I think some of that definitely contributes to um, some of the confusion about uh, the events. I think it contributes to some of the lack of success of the events. I also think it contributes to some of like the general kind of just like um, feeling about uncertainty about what's going to happen next. I I hope, I hope that, you know, in the next coming years and seasons that there's a little bit more consistency because selfishly, I, I, I kind of am in the mood to get back into some of that where it's like, we have, uh, Ooh, throwing your hat in the ring. Who is this guy? Go, go check your temperature. No, no, no. But I want to. You got a. I, you got a fever. I, I want to see people be successful. <laughs> I want to see gyms do well. I want people to go and have fun. Like that's. Those are my big things about this stuff. And if they can do that with a consistent format, that's awesome. The other thing I really love is like James is saying these local throwdowns at gyms. I we had one at NC Fitta a few weeks back, and it was gangbusters. It was super super fun. You know, uh, internal team competition that. The best. Yeah, dude. It was so, so fun. So fun. Um, you know what's funny about internal team competitions and local competitions generally is like the – a lot of times I think in like internal competitions, the coaches end up competing and it becomes like a coaches show. I don't know about your guys' opinions on this, but like we do not allow our coaches to compete on teams during the internal team competition, they, they are there to judge. They're there to assist. They're there to like help put on the event, but it's all about the, the members, the athletes for us. Oh, I, I actually have a way different take on this. Um, we almost, we almost require our coaches to participate in the throwdown, but um, the whole point of that is it gives our members a chance to be on a team with one of the coaches. And for them, it's like, that's like one of the coolest things ever. Um, And what we encourage all the coaches to do is let the members kind of um, take the reins and decide like where, where you fit in, you know, like um, every year I always participate in the, in the team throwdown. And for me, it's like, all right, what do you guys want to do for a costume? I'm in for whatever you want. What what part of these events do you want me to do? I'm I'm fine doing whatever. And um, what what I've also started to do is I used to, and this is kind of gets into like the the nitty gritty of programming these things. We always used to do like a lift or like a complex, mm-hmm. you know. That and I, I just took that from like that's what we used to do at CFNE. Like like we would always you know have like one massive complex. And I found that when you don't have the weightlifting piece, one. The, the everybody looks way better and two like nobody's lifting with ego so none of the coaches are out there trying to show out so like so this year we had three different versions of we did like a version of fran a version of karen and a version of grace as a team of three and it was really fun 
James, your thoughts on this stuff? Oh, man, no, no. I'm glad you brought this up because what I want you to talk about here is your sport of fitness class. Um, oh, yeah. Because you, I think it's an awesome idea. I think when people ask, like, you know, how do I how do I foster a competitive mindset in my gym but not make it alienating to anybody? And we're going to do the same thing. I'm going to steal your idea. Um, and we did something similar at CrossFit Boston, and I'm going to steal it and the name, and we're going to do – I'm going to try and get one started at CrossFit Mafia out here, the gym I'm coaching part-time at. I just absolutely love it, and I want you to chat about that because I think um, I think it's such a good way to address the competitive side of CrossFit but do it in a way that is um, cool for everybody in the gym, you know, so. Yeah, so right now at Tilt we have – I mean, shoot, our, our first class, we had maybe close to 25, 30 people. So we have we have a ton of people that are interested in um, either learning about the sport of CrossFit, pursuing the sport of CrossFit, whatever. And the way that I phrased it was, you know, if you're interested in learning more about the sport of CrossFit, if you're interested in competing in a local competition, doing online qualifiers, maybe just maximizing your performance in, in the open, this is the class for you. There's no prerequisite strength or skill numbers, anything like that. And it meets once a month the first Saturday of every month and it's a two hour class. So oh, it's only the, once a month. Yeah. It's, it's once a month. And the whole idea is um, myself and one of my other full-time coaches run, run the class. We do this last time we did three pieces. So we did King Kong. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so the, <laughs> yeah, no. So we, you know, we did, we did three pieces. We, we coached them through it. And the, the whole thing is just to educate them a little bit on, on the sport of CrossFit, but try and make it as um, inclusive as possible. And the best thing was, is it was such a wide range of athletes that showed up to our first class. We had, you know, some people that, you know, have competed at a very high level and some people that are just truly interested. We had a handful of members. They're interested in doing like their first scaled competition and it was, and it was awesome. And so we also took our class workout from that Saturday and we did that as the first piece and we showed them kind of how we can modify up the river and down the river to make it appropriate for everybody. So it, it was, um, it was a really, really fun class. People had, people had a blast and um, excited, excited to do it more. So yeah, James, thanks for calling that out. It was a, uh, it was a really good time. That's no, I think it's such an idea. awesome idea. Yeah. And when we ran them at cross at Boston for a little while, it was open to everybody. And that was my favorite part of the class is like, you had people show up to that class. You never thought would be interested in it. Um, and of course you had all the people who were like, Oh yeah, this person is, you know, here for class doing all the open gyms. They're going to come to this, which was cool too. But uh, it just created such a fun vibe, and I think everybody could relate. And that's what I think is the cool part of CrossFit is anyone can compete if they want to. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. It's a good idea. I'm glad you get to share it. Yeah, that is it's a really fun. cool idea. Uh, you know, what, one thing that we do at uh, NC Fit and then that we share with our, our program partners, James, I don't know if you guys do, with it, do, do this with CAP, but we obviously have a workout of the day that goes out to all of our athletes, and then we build our – competitive fitness or competitive training around that workout of the day. Um, so we still have the people who are interested in doing competitions. They still take class. They still are participating in the main element, but then they have extra credit work, whether it's strength or conditioning or gymnastics that they do in addition to uh, the workout of the day to ready themselves for the demands of competition, because it is a little different, you know, even if you're competing at, you know, a local level, unless you're competing at like a very, very, 
low, like low level kind of uh, adjusted version competition. I think you can get by on just work out of the day. But if you're if you're into this mid range kind of stuff, or even if you're going to go a little bit higher and you're going to compete in some of these adjusted or or scaled divisions at competitions like Wadapalooza, have you guys seen some of the numbers that they are asking athletes in like the adjusted divisions at some of these competitions? I mean, it's pretty wild. They're 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 pretty burly. They're they're high standards. You know, the weights are heavy um, and the workouts are tough. So I think you know if you're somebody out there who's listening, you're like, hey, listen, I. I you know, I don't have the highest level of fitness, but I want to get out there. I want to compete. I want to try something. My recommendation is, you know, the very first things, talk to one of your coaches, talk to your owner, see what events might be appropriate for you. See if there's anything locally, see if there's anything coming up in your gym. Is there an opportunity to get ready for the open and do the adjusted version of the open? I think that those are all great. Um, but, you know, there there is this element of being careful of what you're signing up for as well, because you look at some of these competitions, you know, Wadapalooza, they have. 5,000 divisions all the way from like you know, <laughs> extra, extra elite all the way down to adaptive athletes. And, you know, a couple of levels below elite you have adjusted and, you know, those people are putting up big, big, big weights, big numbers. And the competition is really, really, really high. So sometimes the names of the divisions can be a little misleading. Um, but Max, I, I love what you do there with bringing people in and teaching them about the sport of fitness. And that, really i think is one of my biggest gripes about the competitive fervor in the in the space is the fact that like i think a lot of people get drawn into it too quickly without understanding their own their own fitness level and then without understanding some of the consequences of you know training a certain way or or training with poor movement patterns or doing too much too soon too fast and then finding themselves either injured or not enjoying it or, you know, really disappointed that they haven't, you know, quote unquote, reached their goals in their, you know, first competition or first few months in training. But I think, you know, doing it right the way Max is doing it and talking to your athletes from the jump and, you know, giving them that educational opportunity is really, really big. Uh, what, one thing, first off, thank you, Matt. A lot of, lot of good stuff here. Um, there was an interview with Emma Lawson, right? Uh, she, I, I James, can you can you look up or actually Tony, our back end guy, can you look up what place she yeah, uh, got in the uh, in the in the Rogue Invitational? Yeah, Tony's oh, yeah. located in in Austin, Texas. Uh, Tony, Tony so, is just James when he puts on a fake mustache. Your <laughs> research. Um, so at, well, guys, at, Emma Lawson took third at the the Rogue, the Rogue Invitational. Awesome. So so Emma Emma Lawson had like a had a little interview and she was talking about the programming that she follows and really cool to hear her say that. Um, she takes class every day at her affiliate and then uh, essentially has a checklist of movements and things that she uh, she has to hit on a weekly basis. And essentially, she's just checking things off the list outside of class of, you know, programming some extra work, like w whatever it is. But really interesting that, you know, she's coming up or coming into the scene as I think one of one of the the top athletes, some of these younger athletes who's still like a, a class athlete. So I think that that is uh, that's pretty special. And then uh, MDV, to your point, I, I totally agree that in today's day and age, um, it's important for coaches to educate their members on the difference between, you know, CrossFit for GPP, CrossFit for sport. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, 10 years ago when I walked into CFNE, I thought that everybody competed in the sport of CrossFit. Like I can, I can remember starting CrossFit, um, 
a month after I started, we did that first open workout, seven minutes of burpees. That's that's the year that Ben, I, I believe, had the most most members sign up for the open. It even beat out like the uh, CrossFit Black Box, whatever the the New York one is, who normally puts up like a huge number or something like that. And so from the from the jump. I was like, oh, everybody competes in CrossFit. That's just like what I thought it was. So that was that was was a big thing for Ben. Yeah, yeah. He said that. He said if I started a running club, the goal would be to get everybody to run a race. I mean, he said, you know, my goal is to get people interested in competing. You know, that's part of yeah. Which I always thought was really, really interesting because I think if you're a really good coach, um, and somebody, regardless of level, wants to do that, you can help prepare them for that or at least educate them on them. I guess what grinds my gears is I see so many coaches out there who just like want to restrict athletes to their very narrow view of what the world should be in terms of fitness. Mm. Um, and I think that's different from being a coach and saying, hey, look, if you want to do that, great. I just don't have the tools to help you. Um, I see too many people out there who are like, well, well, I don't have the tools to help you and you shouldn't be doing that anyway. You know, um, you can have an opinion on competing, but like I think a really like what MD you was saying like a really effective coach is you know educating their athletes about all the ins and outs here's the upside here's the downside you know helping someone understand what really are your goals oh maybe they don't actually want to compete they just want to get better at this one thing or whatever it is um so i was that was definitely something i learned there and uh was it was a cool perspective and something i still really like about crossfit what what in particular james I like the fact that anyone can, can compete if they want to, you know, like mm-hmm. that personally for me, it's, um, I don't know if I said this, <laughs> I did a workout and, um, and my, and I was had like sit-ups, box jumps and running. And I looked at my mom's score on sugar wad and she did it with GHD sit-ups, you know? And I'm like, my mom's like 65 million years old. And, <laughs> oh, uh, no, Sorry, Lucy. oh no. no roasted Lucy. No, um, no. What I like about it is like she'll hit me up, and you know, even if she scales a workout or whatever, she'll be like, "Wow, I really crushed you on that workout, buddy." Mm. And um, I don't know. I just, I really, <laughs> I really like that part of it. Um, you know, especially when it's done in this way, where it's like everybody kind of enjoys the shit talking, and that that's fifteen burpees and the competitive part of it. It's just something <laughs> I really, I've always liked about CrossFit. It's like I've, you know, if someone has scaled and I beat them in a workout or they're new and I beat them or vice versa, like I never look at it as like, yeah, like I put you in your place. It's just like, it's just fun to be able to have those comparisons and the foot race and know that we both, you know, went after it. I like yeah. that a lot. It oh, can I, go- Continue, sorry, guys. No, I, I totally agree. I think, um, I just like what, James, I just like what you said, like, as a coach, you can have an opinion, Right. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest as a coach. Yeah. You can have an opinion, but for the most part, like shut up and listen. Um, um, because the, the, the mark of a good coach, I mean, it's, it's why I started this sport class. I didn't do it because I wanted to do it. I did it because there's this huge group of people that are interested in learning more. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is like, this is where people are at. Great. Let's like, let's get this going. Let's see, let's see if this works. And as a coach, like your job is to support people, in whatever their goals are. And like you said, James, like you ask them what their goals are. Like somebody, like, I don't know, like here, here's a great example. Like we, we both have like a good friend, Andy, right? Uh, Andy V like, I'll be honest. I'm not sure if Andy really wants to compete or he just loves working out. And so 
he, you know, he does like he does like two or three things a day. He always takes class and he loves to do extra work. And he has this great attitude about it. he's always trying to bring people in. He's never like, you know, holding this above anybody else. In fact, the only thing he's ever trying to do is to bring more people in. And now, like, imagine me as an owner. Imagine if I was like, oh, like, why are you doing all this extra work? You're not even competing. Like, why bother? It's like, dude, <laughs> right. Do, do, but but there but there are coaches out there that would do that. Right. Because there it because it. It, it like hits something inside of them in their the, ego. Yeah, the insecurity in the coach. It, exactly that they have to say something. Where on the other hand, I'm like, dude, Andy, do your thing. Like you're you're psyched to do this. Do it all. Like I'm I'm happy to see it. So it's uh, I mean, also Andy's just the the freaking best guy. So so we're talking, he's amazing. We're talking about like <laughs> the the rosy side of competition a lot, you know. And I think that we are there are a lot of positives. I'm not going to argue that. And, and there is this awesome element of bringing people together and testing yourself and trying things you've never done before. And a very special type of training environment that exists when you're working that hard with people around you relative, relative to your fitness level, you're working hard. And you can get a lot of that out of doing group class. But there definitely is this um, special piece that exists around training for a moment or training to compete. The downside of some of this stuff, and I want to get your guys' opinion on, on how you handle this because I've certainly have messed this up in the past in talking to athletes or talking to people about it, is that you can see people kind of get ahead of their skis a little bit. Like you can see people doing too much or you can see people trying things they shouldn't try, or you can see people worrying about things that are, I want to say insignificant in terms of like their, um, their journey, you know, worrying about everybody else's scores all the time or worrying that this person beat me in this workout or worrying that this person has a muscle up now. And I don't, um, some of that can be turned into positive energy. You know, you could, you could have a conversation that turns it into, well, hey, this is what I saw this person do and let's put together a plan or, hey, you know, let's not focus on what they got on this workout. Let's focus on your results. We can use it as a little bit of a gauge for where you're at, but, you know, let's make sure we're focusing on what you're doing. I want to know how you guys handle those hard cases of, of the individual getting too wrapped up in it or worrying too much about the stuff that can pull them off the positive track and into this negative world. Because I do think that there's, an element of competition within this niche community that can be detrimental, whether we're talking about, like I said, athletes kind of doing too much too soon, too fast, or becoming too clickish yeah. or worrying about the things that uh, can just grind them away and eventually wash them out. Yeah, no, it's, you know, the analogy I always liked here is like, I feel like, and I don't, I don't do Brazilian jujitsu, but I have a lot of friends that do BJJ. And um, one of the things I feel like, you know, in BJJ, I feel like a white belt isn't going to go do black belt things because they can't, right? Like you could roll with a black belt as a white belt, but you're not going to like have any real success there. The black belt, especially if he's, you know, I would imagine is going to handle you in a way. So he's not going to like twist your arms off. Like they're going to be delicate with you as they teach you some stuff. Whereas I feel like in CrossFit, white belts can go do black belt stuff. Like it's, it's way easier for them to go try stuff and do stuff and involve themselves in things that like elite level competitors are doing and maybe biting off more than they should chew when they're not ready to. And I think in some sports, it's a little harder to do. Um, Just really quickly on jujitsu. I, I, I certainly agree with you that there's a level that when you're a white belt and you don't know anything, it's very hard for you to 
do something that you see a, a multi-year black belt do. You can certainly attempt it and you can look like an asshole. And, you know, the, the difference in jujitsu is the fact that, like, if you're a really spazzy, aggressive, aggro white belt, <laughs> like if you're going a billion miles an hour all the time, somebody is going to come over who's an upper belt and they're going to choke you the fuck out. And they're going to choke you the – Five push-ups. I'll do the push-ups. They're going to choke you out in a five-minute round about 37 times. Gotcha. And they're going to give you the feedback probably right after the role that goes, hey, this is going to be your journey if you don't slow it down. This is what it's going to feel like, you know, because it can be really hard to temper that aggression or not use your physical attributes if you're a white belt. But like being a <laughs> being a spaz as a white belt, you're, you're, you might get hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody else especially if you're rolling with another white belt or like a lower level blue belt, but those upper blues, the purples, the browns, the blacks, like somebody's going to come over and teach that person a lesson really quickly and they'll learn or they'll wash out. I'm going to, I'm going to petition seminar staff that we have a, a 10 minute session in the level one. This is where we learn the triangle choke guys, because if you have an athlete who's being an aggro, dweeb, you're going <laughs> to well, choke his ass out. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, well, I'm going to try that today. That's I'm too heavy on the deadlift, man. Arm bar. Yeah. <laughs> just, just go. Just go to sleep. Go just to go sleep. to sleep. Give um, a little kiss. So. Sorry. Yeah. Fair. 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 Fair to be, but um, I do think that's something. It's really easy for athletes to, uh, because of the excitement of it, the fun of it, all the good stuff we're talking about. It's easy for them to bite off way more than they can chew, and I definitely think that's a downside to it. Again, coach, got to do your job, but I, that's yeah. certainly a downside. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I, I I see this I see this from both sides. So I first off, I, I think there's there's a lot of educational stuff that needs to happen with members that are looking to pursue the sport of CrossFit. Very, you know, these are these are incredibly simple conversations, just about you know volume, time under tension, things that we should be looking to do. You know, like somebody's looking to compete in the sport of CrossFit. The first thing I always go is like, all right, so you know, right now, where are we at? Like, let's just say like in class workouts, are we able to perform, you know, all movements, all movements as prescribed, right? Oh, there are a couple movements that we're still working on. Totally fine. Let's identify those movements. Let's focus in on, you know, getting those down. Um, but I will also tell you that, you know, back, back in the day, this is some stuff that like, you know, James would let me sit with a little bit. Like I can, uh, and this wasn't even competing in the sport of CrossFit, but th there, there is this little thing where you don't want to choke somebody out, right? Like I'm, I don't want to, don't want to choke somebody out, but like having somebody, you know, getting the wind knocked out of their sails sometimes, depending on who the athlete is, there is some value there. So oh, for sure, and 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 just from my own experience, you know, like I, I'll never forget just doing Angie for the first time in class with James, and James is my 7:30 p.m. coach. And, first time we met. Yep. And I'm um I'm I'm pretty good at strict pull-ups, or I thought I was at this time. And James is briefing the workout and he's like, it's a hundred pull-ups. And of course, me being uh I'm not gonna use being a jerk, I like raised my hand and I said, Oh, can I can I do all the pull-ups strict? James goes, hundred percent, you can do them all strict. I'm like, cool. We get into the workout. I probably get 25 or 30 reps in and look like 
Tyrannosaurus Rex. My 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 arms are completely blown out. And James said, do you want me to teach you how to do the jumping pull-up? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah, please teach me how to do the jumping pull-up. You know what I mean? Taught me how to do the jumping pull-up. I was fine the Did next day. Did you more day. abdo? No, no. I was, <laughs> I was, to- I was totally fine. Arm but, but it was yeah well yeah well then he kicked me in the stomach no um so no but but anyway that that to me i was like oh check okay cool like yeah gotta like got gotta learn how to do this and and the first couple of years of me doing crossfit there there were a number of moments like this like you know i can remember first time i did grace it took me like 13 and a half minutes Right. And most likely Mel Ockerby at the time told me to use a 75 or 85 pound bar. And I said, no, I'm going to do it at 135. Mm. And I was doing one rep every minute because I did like five, you know, my heart blew out. I was a hummingbird. And then I was probably, you know, <laughs> I probably had to take, take a knee. So I don't know. There, 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 there are these moments where it, it is good sometimes for people to experience like, whoa, okay, yeah, I guess I kind of do need to dial it back. And it's probably not in the form of like, oh, we're doing Annie. Yeah, do it with GHDs. Call me tomorrow. No, probably not something like that. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of ego death that happens sometimes with uh, – Oh, good, you know, good term, ego death. Fighting off more than Trademarked. you do in a workout. Um, yeah. And like Max just said at the end there, as a coach, you have to be – uh, aware of when the opportunity exists to allow that athlete to try something that's not too far out of the realm of possibility that they're not moving unsafely that you know it's not dangerous for them or they're not doing a movement that would end could end them up being in a really bad way for a few days or a few weeks after like hey do, right. do, do Annie with GHD sit-ups today and then you know talk to me tomorrow right 150 GHD sit-ups but, you know, in a workout like Grace, I think it's a great example. You know, you have a lot of people who, who want to give it a shot at the prescribed weights and who can probably move pretty well throughout, but you know that the better choice for them is to go 115 or 95. And sometimes just saying, okay, hey, today we're going to put a 10-minute cap on the workout or a 15-minute cap or whatever, and we're going to have at it at, at, at 135 pounds. And I want to see you move well. But let, yeah, let's rock and roll with the heavier load today and let's see what we do. Uh, the goal for this workout is to eventually get it, you know, sub 10 minutes, some seven minutes around that time. But today, let's go with the heavier weight. And a lot of times you have the conversation with the athlete afterwards and they're like, yeah, you, you know what? I probably should have gone a little lighter today, but I, I, I'm glad I gave it a try. As long as they're not moving unsafely, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Also, as long as they're not the last person in the room doing the movement for the next 15 or 20 minutes while everybody stares <laughs> at them, I think is, is good as well. Because then that becomes ultimately, I think, too embarrassing. Well, you, still, you still have to run a group class too. I mean, yeah, there's a million, exactly. reasons, yeah, a million reasons why that you should avoid that. Now, I think you guys have already touched on some good things as far as how to handle this. I think one is, is what you guys said, you know, you're doing at NC Fit with the programming of like, hey, there is this core class component that exists in the competitors program. We do do the same thing at cap um, for all of the same reasons, right? It's like, it involves people who may or may not be interested in competing in both ways, keeps them engaged with each other, um, keeps, you know, more competitively interested athletes involved in class. I think the other thing you guys touched on um, is a big one that I keep hearing here is that you just have to be involved in your athletes class experience and, you know, their, their journey, you know, Hey, let's ask some questions about what their goals are. Hey, when they're in class, let's ask, you know, 
you know, old scrawny Timmy beans, why he's loading up to 135 on the, on the, on the grace, you know, you got, you got to ask him those questions. And I think that's a huge piece that a lot of coaches miss. It's like, we only have, um, you know, the only tool that we have is like the, is the switch, right? It's like, no, no, don't do that. You know, there's no explanation why, how to do something different. What is the value of doing something different? And I think that's something good coaches do do. Do do. <laughs> I was going to say it too. That's a swear. That's not a swear. No, no it's not. Swear. No, my well, mother said it's okay. Um, James, I, oh, Max's mom is incredible, by the way. So, oh yeah, I was, I was telling, I was telling uh, James yesterday that my mom was doing double DT and smashed smash the barbell off her nose got a blood got a bloody nose and finished the workout like i was like wow well my, my mom my mom's 75 and she's she's pretty tough um no james I, I i like what you said but one thing one thing that i one thing i was thinking about when you were saying that is as a young coach it's really hard to have like this foresight right as as a young coach you're you're like you're you're right it's like you're it's either on or off it's like yes you can do this no you can't and then as and i think as you become a, you know a, a more well-traveled and veteran coach you start to see a lot more of the gray area and this is also the advantage of coaching for a long period of time because you just you've seen everything and nothing really throws you. And instead, you are really you're you're able to always take a step back. At least this is what I find. You're able to have the conversation and you're able to make modifications uh, way more thoughtful for the athlete. And that in turn makes the experience so much better and then makes the buy in from the athlete like so much better because now you're just having a discussion. Right. As opposed to telling somebody what they're doing. And, and I, I think, I think it's, re I think it's really, really hard as a young coach. Cause as a young coach, you're like, you've got like, you've got your plan. You like, all right, this is like exactly how it's going to go. And then like, it doesn't go as planned. You're like, okay. Like I, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm lost now where if you're like, if you're a seasoned vet, like nine people could do nine different things. You're like, no, 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 no. Everything's good. I'm going to do this. Like you're going to, you're going to work some magic. Everything's going to be totally fine. So I, I don't know. Just one thing I was thinking about James when you said that. Yeah. It's definitely a variable that doesn't get considered sometimes I think because you'll have your whole <laughs> dialed in. You'll have, you know, the, the prescribed weights that you want people to get after you kind of have an idea in your head about who's going to be doing the prescribed weights. You have an idea in your head about who's going to need to adjust. You have an idea about, oh, I'm going to have to adjust for injury. But then maybe you get two or three people who you think are in that loading adjustment category come to you the second before the workout starts and go, hey, listen, I'm going to actually go 135 pounds today. It can throw, it can throw you off if you don't know how to handle that situation for sure. But I think there's a couple things new coaches can do. I think, I think one of those things is it's hard if you're not like running the gym or owning the gym and this culture hasn't been set, but it's like, understand that there is, there is, there is both safety and achievement and progression and scaling. And what I mean by that is you can make just about anybody safe by scaling intensity, reduce loading, reduce, reduce speed, whatever that is. You know, if you need to, you can reduce movement complexity, build that into your class plan and then make that just part of the gym like scaling just becomes something you do regularly because the other thing is this i've seen athletes in gyms who have scaled every workout since day one i met them to when i stopped coaching at the gym or maybe when they left or whatever 
and they got fitter. You know, it's like, I've never seen an athlete not get fitter scaling. And I think that's something a lot of people miss or don't understand or is not communicated is that, you know, oh, I won't get any of the fitness unless I check the RX box, you know, and it's like, it's not quite how that works. And I think the other thing that can really help new coaches is as silly as this sounds is like, write your plan down, like have your plan scripted out. So it's always easier to freestyle. It's less you have to remember. Um, you know, I see these new coaches who want to progress and I'm like, why haven't you written your plan down? Like, you know, you see a new waiter at a restaurant. Oh, I'm in training. Let me tell you what the specials flips open his little notepad. And that's okay. You know, it's like, I would rather have somebody new write all it down and read it off a list and try and remember it and be like, Oh, I ordered a cheeseburger and he brings me a, a you know, like, I don't know, a wedge salad. I'd be pissed. <clears throat> and the One of my biggest for, pet peeves of all time, by the way. Bro, kills me. If I see when, somebody not writing it down. When you have a big party and the waiter is just going to free roll and not yeah, write and, anything down. Ooh. And all our friends are fitness people. So we're like, can I get the cheeseburger, but no cheese, triple patty, six slices of bacon, avocado. double avocado. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, got it. You know, when you come back Everything's and you get you a wrong. turkey club sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Um, no, James, I, uh, so uh, I, I, I agree with what you're saying in, in the beginning, write everything down. You're never going to be faulted for taking your job, taking your job seriously. Like no, no, nobody's ever going to be at fault if you're like, Oh, hold on. Actually, let me slow down. I, I actually kind of need to, I need to write down, you know, my class plan. I need to make sure that kind of everything's dialed in. There's not one owner or head coach out there. that's going to be like unacceptable. You're going to be like, okay, great. Yeah. And I think I've told you this story here before, but it's, um, you know, I had Brian Chantosh um, come through as my intern for level one staff. When I was, I was running the seminar with some other trainers and he was my intern and Brian is um, senior in, you know, senior to me in age. He's a, he's a personal mentor of mine. Um, Tosh is 20 plus years in the military um, degree and, you know, a lifetime spent in leadership, successful endurance athlete, the list goes on and on is what I'm saying. And you know what the first thing he did when we sat down in our meetings, he pulled out a notebook and a pencil and he looked straight at me, you know, and it, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, if this guy's taking notes, anytime I see somebody sit down and they're like, yep, I'm here to intern. Yep. I'm here to learn. And I'm saying something or I'm giving them feedback and they're not taking notes. I'm like, I know how seriously you take this, you know, cause it's like, I feel like I have a decent memory. I write down everything cause I still forget everything. So if for nothing else, that's the reason I still forget everything. I've been, and I've been coaching for 15 you know, 12, 15 years. Mm. Um, yeah, that's so true. Huge pet wow. peeve of mine. Huge that's pet a, peeve of mine. That's a, that's a, that's a powerful story. Mm. Just like um, spending I mean, time with spending time with Brian and seeing, you know, his level of commitment, the way that he prepares for things, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, but um, pretty, pretty amazing moment, right? Just even having, just even having that, that time where you're sitting down, taking him through an internship where, you know, I, I've been with you when he's taking us through an experience. So it's, uh, that's, wow, pretty cool. Yeah, like I said, so, you know, person, person, you know, someone I look up to, and it was a reminder of like, when people are like, Hey, I want to be involved in leadership or management. And it's like, well, then you also have to be good at being someone who can be part of a team and be led. You know, it was like mm. one of those moments. Um, good point. It's not just, it's not just always being in the position of command. Um, and that, I don't know. It was just, it was a really cool experience and a nice reminder of, uh, but, you know, you always got something to learn. But that's, um, 
really good point. Like if you're looking to, like you said, you want to be in a position of you know management or be a leader, it rarely starts there, right? So yeah. ra- 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 rarely starts that somebody's like, oh, I'm you know I'm the CEO, I'm I'm the manager, I'm the leader. It's like it, it essentially always starts with you cutting your teeth somewhere. And yeah. what 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 else that that story shows me is just like how humble he is, right? In that somebody like that always remembers like where you start when you're learning something new and never afraid to be a beginner. I think that's a, I think that's a really important point to make when you're so far into a career, like you just said, there's always an opportunity to learn and take direction from somebody. And that's a, that, that can be hard kind of the, the further you go down that rabbit hole and you're, you know, you're consistently in a position of power um, of management and being able to, to flip the script. So a lot of good that's- stuff there. That um, MDV maybe the white belt mindset, right? That's like a thing, like white, you know, oh, this yeah. idea that like regardless of my progression achievement, like there's always more to learn, kind of thing. Yeah, I view I view leadership in a lot of the same vein that I view professionalism, where those qualities can and should exist at every level, at at the most quote unquote menial level, and at the quote unquote most important level in an organization. And uh, I, there's nothing against being the low guy on the totem pole. I, I love being the low guy on the totem pole. Fuck, man. I, I mopped floors all the way through law school to pay for my um, pay for my gym membership, you know, um, worked at a deli, was putting mustard on people's sandwiches and getting uh, yelled at when I got it wrong, you know, after graduating law school to make some money. I, I'm not saying it's toot my own horn, but I'm saying that like to be able to be the person who does the grunt work. And do it well and, you know, learn and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and then learn how to communicate, learn how to be accountable, learn how to show up on time, learn what the, the, the culture of the job is. I think all that stuff can happen at the lower levels. And then if you're not doing it at the lowest levels, like wh- what's going to tell anybody who's above you, who's in a promotion opportunity, who's going to put a promotion opportunity in front of you that you're going to be able to do it at the upper levels. So that's a huge indicator for me. I, I, I love seeing younger coaches in the NC Fit organization take ownership, take the leadership uh, opportunities, the small ones that are given to them and really run with them and, you know, make mistakes and, and ask about things and have questions. And, um, you know, it's not wrong to make mistakes, um, but you do have to learn from them. And then hopefully going forward, you can, you know, usher the next generation of leaders into the organization. So um, long-winded way of saying that I, I agree with you. Um, and, uh, you know, any young coaches out there, um, thinking about wanting to be a head coach or want to own your own gym one day, like how you show up today and, and every day after is really indicative of what like the path could be for you. Um, yeah, it's a grind for sure. Yeah. That's the, um, I forget the the name of the book. I think it's, it comes from the, the all blacks, the, the clean, the stables mentality, um, you know, just like no matter, no matter where you are in the, in the packing order where you're, you know, you always got to go back and clean the stables and that kind of stuff. Like you said, like mop the floors. My uncle always said to me, he always said this thing. He said, it was really nice. There's an art to everything too. And I think that was like, and I was like to everything. And he's like, yeah, to everything, like the way you clean the kitchen to you taking the trash out to you painting, to you doing some high level skill. 
but really, you know, taking pride in your execution of of each task, right? Because that is a skill that becomes portable. And if if you can't do the simple stuff well, or you struggle to do the simple stuff well, I think it's really hard. And this goes for learning CrossFit, right? You can't do the air squat. Your overhead squat probably sucks. Um, you know, and, and same thing of, of application and coaching. So that's a that's definitely a cool thing to to think about and, and chat about. Well, you know, oh. maybe maybe. 2008 2009 was the first time that i had heard this phrase and denise thomas popularized it i think she put it on the wall at reebok crossfit one is how you do anything is how you do everything and that's a a stoic axiom from marcus aurelius you know it it is uh completely true in my opinion how you do any one thing is how you do everything and uh love denise and that's been her attitude all the way through her coaching career and she's gone on to do some of the biggest things in in fitness so um max i'm sorry i cut you off there but final thoughts bud no you didn't cut me off at all i was gonna change the subject and talk about uh some crappy tv that i've been watching so this has nothing to do with <laughs> Lay it on me. What, what have you been watching? well let's wrap it up here what are you watching final uh love thoughts. is love is blind three. Oh. uh season three so love is blind Gosh. is people i that love is. the show people, people, what, what people i don't know people, what it is Okay, well, be quiet for a second so I can tell you. So, um, people go on to a show. I can't wait to, to hear about it. Looking to find their partner, and they spend ten days in these pods talking to people from like um, behind like a wall, behind a wall, and within ten days, a number of them get proposed to without ever seeing the person that they're going to marry, and then How they spend. You do the- this? It's a um, pressure because, cooker type of experiment. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 run by Nick Lachey and his wife. It's 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 really really good. And then they spend the next four weeks seeing each other and getting to spend time together. And it's it's wild. Um, it I I really like it. So that's what I that's what I've been watching on the trashy side. And then I watched a scary movie. I think I told you guys. Did I tell you Barbarian? That's the scary movie that I watched, and it's it was really it it was really scary. So Bar- Barbarian was the scary movie that I watched. So those are the two things, Love is Blind and Barbarian. Well, Love is Blind is uh, definitely in the trash TV category. It is nonstop drama. It's a pressure cooker of human emotion. I tend to think that season Just one Just like this podcast. A pressure cooker of human emotion. <laughs> season one was the best season of Love is Blind because I think you had the people who went into it with the most genuine intentions and you know people didn't know that they were going to get famous from it. I think season two, you saw some people, famous. Well, dude, I, you know, a couple of these people have made themselves some significant, uh, gotten some significant clout from it. But season two, I think, had like a 50-50 split of like people who were in it for the real thing and people who were in it for clout. And season three just seems so clout heavy. It was, it was tough for me to watch season three, but. Uh, but you still watched cr- it. You still the, watched it. We need to talk about that. The yeah. more, the more cringy, the better. The more cringy, the better. <sighs> Fellas, it's a busy day for me here. I got to sign off. I appreciate you spending your morning with me. Love you guys. And I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Peace out. Hello friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.